Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Black Road Podcast. We're back. We are back in together. Uh, I'm here with my lovely co-host, Miss Carol Mitchell. How are you doing? I'm just happy to see you, Miss Traveling all over the world. Got your beautiful braids going. Yes, I'm trying to bring I in She went blonde on me. You got to switch it up. You got to lighten it up sometimes. Oh my goodness. I wonder what I would look like with blonde hair and braids, girl. You got to try it. I got a lovely braider. If you're you're serious, you you know, and she's affordable. She's black. uh, She's located out of Kent, Washington, in case anybody else is curious who did my braids. Well, I need to get my inner Beyonce on because that's who you look like. <laughs> Baby Beyonce. <laughs> yes, but listen, there's so much going on. Oh. You've been traveling. So I want to talk a little bit about that and what that means for COVID and all that good stuff. Uh, while you were gone, some mess happened. Yeah, and I need you to tell me all about that because you know I gotta keep my people informed. You know, my my 18 to 35 year olds, I gotta keep us engaged. So please let us know what uh, what I missed out on. One thing I gotta report back from my trips. It it was um, well, we're entering spring break now this week. I think there's a lot of college students that are you know thinking, well, hey, I don't have to go to class remotely, which is huge. Uh, for a week, so let me go travel. Um, we are being safe. We are wearing masks now. In Florida, if you guys are planning on going to Florida, Hallelujah, Hallelujah! <laughs> they're, they're wearing masks. Oh, Hercules, Hercules! <laughs> well, we're, well, it's 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 required. I mean, in all airports, oh. <laughs> major, major places, you, you got to wear your mask, but. In Florida, if you guys are planning on going to Florida, they are on a strict lockdown right now because just too many people have been violating their um, face masks and their six feet social distancing rules. Um, I believe last week they put an 8, 8 uh, p.m. curfew. So I saw guys, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you guys are traveling to Florida, just be very careful. Uh, just skip Florida and maybe you can go international. People are traveling to Cancun and Mexico right now. Uh, so if you're going to travel, you might as well, hey, go to the Caribbean. It might be a little bit safer than uh, than Florida. Now, uh, so I have to ask you, yes, I did see that Florida was on lockdown, especially Miami Beach and South Florida in particular. And part of the reason they, they're having this problem is people living in Florida year round really have not observed masking and social distancing to any significant degree. Their governor has not been a big proponent of the precautions. And then you add to that the beautiful beaches in Miami and South Florida, Fort Lauderdale, right? Tampa and all those beautiful beaches. It's like a ritual for college students to flock down to the beach. So they knew they were coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I, I also think that Part of it is they give off this air that um, anti-masking is welcome. And then all of a sudden you get 50,000 young people in bikinis down there, (laughs) anti-masking. And and what do you do? So now you're on lockdown. 
Yeah. I mean, you could blame leadership for that. You know, if you're not taking the pandemic at a serious level from leadership, then no one else is really going to respect it either. Uh, as that kind of trickles down, we see the same thing happening in uh, states and, or sorry, in counties in Texas, right? In major mm -hmm. cities in Texas, where the leadership, the the government, the leaders, the mayors and the AGs, they're suing each other. You know, they're not even on the same accord. So how can you expect any civilian, nonetheless, someone that's on spring break to really follow and pay attention? Uh, but, you know, I'm encouraging that everybody my age, please wear your mask. Uh, it protects you, it protects those around you. Also, if we wanna stay open, we have to start seeing progress. Like, mm -hmm. so, I'm not, I, it's not really a fight wearing your mask. I know now a lot of people, they only want to wear it over their mouth and not over your nose. Wear oh. it over your nose and your mouth. <laughs> it's it, not effective if it's not over the nose, folks. Yeah. And I right. and now, we, got, we got bigger noses, you know, they're cute. They might be a little bit wider, you know, we got these little button noses, <laughs> but maybe you just need to get a bigger mask. <laughs> well, and they, they have these little rubber, uh, nose covers you can wear that would extend the mask out. So you buy a slightly larger mask, you extend it out a little bit so you can breathe. But, but you know, I went uh, to visit one of my friends who is an RN. In fact, she is, she works in the neonatal unit at mm. one of the big hospitals up north. And do you know, you? she actually told me that the mask is not doing any good at all. And I'm thinking, you're a nurse telling me that yeah. <laughs> you're supposed to be. That's like, that reminded me of when I would sometimes drive through hospital parking lots and the doctors would be out there smoking, right? <laughs> it's like, right. there's some, the contradiction in that where people who are supposed to be the scientists who know better, they aren't even following their own rules. And, and then every chance they get, they say, well, you know, it's worse on you. If you inhale all that carbon dioxide you're blowing out, that's right. worse. So what I told her was, well, then the thing to do is for you to take more frequent breaks, go get out of, you know, away from other folks and give yourself a break, take more frequent breaks. Or how about this? Stay your A at home. <laughs> then you don't have to wear a mask. That's yeah. what I told my sister. I said, well, you can always stay home. Quarantine, <laughs> no mask. <laughs> you don't want to go back to that. We do so are you ready to take a vaccine now? You know, I know we've had this conversation two or three times and you felt pretty strongly about it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, most of my cohort, we're, we're either on the first or the second shot. I've had both of mine now and my two weeks or so after mm -hmm. has passed. So I am fully vaccinated. How are you wow. feeling about how are the 18 to 35 year olds that are traveling and getting their Beyonce braids done? How are they feeling about taking the vaccine? Well, I'm not I'm still not seeing a huge rush and run to the to the vaccination polls or stations. I don't even really know where you can get vaccinated right now. Um, but I have been seeing a slow increase of people my age getting vaccinated. Maybe they have a young child that's going back to school. Mm. Maybe they um, they do work in the healthcare facility. 
neither people that maybe were hesitant when it first came out and when they did have an op an option because of their job right to get it <clears throat> they were hesitant before and now they're starting to open it up to it and i think like those people i am too starting to open up to the idea of getting vaccinated um because i'm seeing a lot more people like yourself people like my mother people that, that are in my close-knit you know circle mm -hmm. um, that are getting vaccinated and it, it really is a numbers thing when i'm looking at other people and they seem to be okay okay maybe now i trust a little bit more and i feel like it's more safe um it's like anything else i think too that what you're describing some people are early adopters you know those people they have to have the the latest phone as soon as it comes off the press the latest yeah. tennis shoes they don't wait they're in there early they're, they're early adopters and some of us fall back and just sort of wait and see what happens let them get the kinks out of the technology and all the bugs and the fixes and then we buy and so that's not an unreasonable thing to do to just sort of wait and see see how other people react to it make sure nobody close to you dies from that second shot although let me tell you what i thought i was going to die after that second shot uh-oh it, it i was laid out i mean i was i was not in a good place uh, and did you get the pfizer or i had um, the moderna you had the moderna and and it gave me a very serious migraine headache mm -hmm. i had to shut the lights down and just lay down and keep my mouth shut now you know yeah. that was a very <laughs> that was hard a thing <laughs> not the mouth shut part it the laying down doing nothing part i'm not a doing nothing kinds of woman done <laughs> yes but i'm so glad that you were able to travel safely and get back because while you were away all okay. kinds of foolishness happened let me start in georgia okay where the governor Kemp, who stole the election, bless you, stole the election from Stacey Abrams. Um, he signed into law what we're calling the Voter Suppression Act. It basically undid a lot of the work that John Lewis, Congressman John Lewis, had done oh, no. uh, during his lifetime, making it much more difficult for people to vote by mail. And listen, here was the classic issue that hit the Twitter feed like a rocket. He, the, the act makes it a crime for you to give anybody standing in line to vote a drink of water. You can't give them water, you can't give them food. So not only are we getting rid of the mail-in ballots, but so you have to go to the polls. Now, once you're at the polls, it don't matter. Of course, you give me more people. It's gonna be a longer wait. Yes, you cannot give a. You can't hand a person water. And you know they did that during this past year's election because they shut down most of the polling sites, and people had to go hundreds. Well, I don't know if it's hundreds, but at least much further to the closest polling site. And so the lines were longer because there weren't as many places to vote. And so folks were good Samaritan types coming up 
handing out water and food because folks were suffering in that line. Wow. And there were porta potties because if you got to wait four hours to get in to vote, I know my bladder ain't going to hold for no four hours. Yours might. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I can tell you for sure. <laughs> I'm going to need a depends or something because <laughs> I'm not going to make it for four hours. <laughs> but now, illegal to hand out a bottle of water. So That's everybody I mean, in Georgia is mad. Water is a basic human right. You know, how can you limit? You're going to have to bring your own water. Bring your own water. Bring your own water to the polls. Now, listen, here's what I want to know. Which airline were you flying? Because before you answer, the folks in Georgia are boycotting Delta, uh -oh. Coca-Cola, uh -oh. and all of the Cox newspapers. Anybody who has not come out strong against this Voter Suppression Act, which is not its official name, right? there's a, there's a boycott underway. So uh, I'm just going on record. I have not bought a Coke product. In fact, today when I stopped to get my Happy Meal, I said, uh, do you serve something other than Coke products? <laughs> Yes, I do. I do order a Happy Meal. <laughs> I just want a little bitty baby French fry. I don't want the big one. And I had my Dr. Pepper. Because I think all of us can do something to send a message. I'm not buying my pillow, right? I, I'm not going to fly Delta. And I got a lot of Delta miles because you know my people are in Georgia. So I'm back and forth to Georgia all the time, but there will be no Delta for me in this uh -huh. next year. Okay. No Coca-Cola. No Coca-Cola. I can do the no Coca-Cola. That's, you know, I try to limit the soda consumption and I'm, you know, I do feel bad. I travel Delta. I'm just going to be honest. I traveled I Delta to San Diego. So. Yeah, yeah, I was just about to say, you was traveling the week before I was. Don't yeah, but know, this I hadn't happened yet. Um, but Delta is the best when it comes to the social distancing. They don't, you don't sit in the middle seat, which is why most people during this time are flying Delta. Uh, but it's good to know that that is something that, you know, as a collective, we're trying to boycott we're right trying now. Trying to send a message, trying to send a message. Now, um, worse than the, the, you can't give people water. Mm -hmm. They actually arrested the sister girl who was in the, he, she was in the House of Representatives. They arrested her for trying to come into the governor's office suite to observe him signing the act. And there's a, there's a photograph floating, floating around. He had the media in there with six or seven of his cronies. They all happen to be white males. And she was trying to come in to observe him signing this bill, this uh, act into law. They arrested her and put her in jail. And so she uh -huh. tweeted out, I have been released from jail 
but I'm sure it's not the first time somebody has gone to jail for fighting voter suppression because that's oh. how they view it. Oh, that's yeah. how they view it. So she's got like 20,000 new followers now because uh, I said it's it's not a letter from Birmingham jail. It was a tweet from Atlanta's jail, girl, but <laughs> it had the same effect. People are very upset. So Definitely. I think this attempt, there's a national strategy being executed to make it harder for people to vote because when it's easy for people to vote, a particular party loses. Mm -hmm. And the harder it is to vote, the more control they have and the more likely that they would you know, come out successful. I think that's the whole strategy. So IBJ has got to pay close attention to voting. I'm not as worried about it in Washington as I would be if I lived in Georgia but Arizona's doing it. Mm. There, a, a lot of the states are starting to very slowly scale back voting rights. And you wow. know what that means. <laughs> right, that means that we're not gonna be represented, that our voices aren't gonna be heard, the people that we need, the actions that we need to be carried out, just like you said, are, they're not gonna happen. Um, you see all of these uh, young African-Americans running for office in Tacoma? Yeah. You and I wouldn't be able to vote for them if we were in Georgia, potentially. If right. you didn't have, I, I mean, we certainly would be because we probably have all of these requirements met. But what if you don't have a stable address? Let's say you're a houseless person. What if you don't have a driver's license or mm -hmm. a passport or real ID? Now you can't vote if you don't drive or if you don't own a car or don't have a driver's license, you can't vote. What if you never learned how to sign your name and you don't have any regular ID? I mean, there are a lot of people in my mother, mother's generation. My mother is one of these, that generation that was still being pulled out of school to pick peanuts and cotton when they were kids. And so a lot of them weren't well-educated, right? So let's not forget, we still have that generation of people, especially in places like Georgia, that weren't even allowed to go to school for the entire 12 years. Right, and what about the modern day voter, the modern day young voter that is already doesn't have a strong connection or trust for this government that really doesn't believe in the system anymore. And, you know, activists like you and I, are working so hard to get to re-engage the younger demographic. Well, you you stack their distrust and their disconnect on top of a four-hour wait. They ain't got time for that. No, they're they're gonna turn away. Uh, they don't. You know, they're just gonna be like, hey, well, it doesn't matter anyways. You know, so it's it's definitely gonna continue to marginalize young and old people of color. The longer that we have these voter suppression. Um, you know, tactics out there. And it's a, not a new tactic. It's been an old tactic. When you first said, you know, guess what George is doing with voter suppression? I'm thinking, I think you're going to bring back the grandfather clause or something like, because these, these yeah. tactics have been, have existed ever since, you know, we had voting in this country. You know, or the, so how about the jelly bean test where you had to guess how many jelly beans were in the jar in order for you to vote? 
crazy. So we so, definitely got to keep an eye out, Carol. And even with uh, Georgia being blue, let's not, the fight was not over then because look at, we still have to continue this fight. We got to continue observing uh, these little tricksters that, <laughs> that are in their government. Pay very close attention to voting rights. Okay, and so that happened in Georgia. And guess what happened? Maybe yeah, before you left here in Pierce County. Uh -huh. I'm sure you heard about our fiasco with our own Pierce County Sheriff. The one and that we just elected. The one you just, y'all just elected. Y'all, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> but y'all did right uh, <laughs> and he somehow oh my goodness girl the stories that are coming out right now about his personal life and his love of el toro mm. <laughs> those are hilarious number one but on the serious side there is like a four point strategy being executed to deal with his behavior. He basically called out like 40 units from all over the county because he said that someone was threatening to kill him, mm -hmm. right? A person who was carrying the newspapers at mm -hmm. 2 a.m. And of course, there's lots of speculation about what the hell are you doing getting out of your house at 2 a.m. in the morning and getting in your car? Or were you just coming in at 2 a.m. <laughs> and your right. wife didn't know? <laughs> Somebody's getting in trouble. <laughs> He's out at 2 a.m. in the morning. Now, a normal person who thinks there's a prowler in the neighborhood is going to pick up the phone and call 911 and stay there behind in the house. They're not going to jump into their car and drive behind the person and try and find out what they're doing. So first of all, the arrogance of that struck me. Like, who are you? I know you're the sheriff, but you're off duty. Yeah. Why are you out there following people around when you're off duty? Which I understand is against the sheriff's department's protocols. Mm. We're not supposed to be engaging with a suspect, if you will, when yeah. you're off duty. So what were you doing? Right. Not to mention he's in an unmarked car, right? His vehicle is unmarked. So just, just you know, put yourself in the young black man who was delivering the newspapers, the newspaper delivery guy. I don't know what the, what the official title is, right? So, yeah, a, that's what he is, a carrier, news, newspaper carrier. Right. He's, he's driving around doing his job and now he, he notices very suspicious car following him. You know, I mean, I would have instantly been like, uh, I would, I would have been in fear of my life. I mean, how would he know? Because there was never any identification given. No, he never said, look, I'm off duty, but I'm the sheriff and I'm checking into this. Tell me, what are you doing? What's going on? And it would have been right. over in five minutes. Now, why Cedric Alzheimer decided he didn't want to tell him he was just doing newspapers? Maybe that was obvious. Because do you know how many thousands of newspapers carriers mm. carry around in the back seats of their car? 
stars. I mean, it's thousands of yeah. newspapers in there. It should have yeah. been obvious that he was a newspaper yeah. carrier. But if you don't identify who you are, for all Cedric Alzheimer knew, you could have been a proud boy. Exactly. And, uh, and with all the crazy stuff going on right now, how would he know who you are or what your intentions are? And you're driving around behind him at two o'clock in the morning after you might have been at El Toro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so there's I mean, a four point strategy underway. Recall petition has over 20,000 signatures on it on change.org. There was a meeting in the ladies' room last week, as they say. <laughs> with like 160 people on the call wow. to talk about a recall strategy um, or asking for his resignation. My understanding is there's a letter writing campaign underway seeking his resignation because the behavior was so egregious. Yeah. And the county council has decided they will do an independent investigation. Now here's the problem. Right. Please do not, please do not, don't have Kitsap County doing our Pierce County investigation. I'm sorry, but after what they did to Cindy Fajardo, who by the way, her campaign sued the county after wow. Kitsap County investigated her and found all of these violations that then later Clark County completely refuted, please do not have Kitsap County leading an investigation in Pierce County. Go get a uh, state's attorney or a mm -hmm. former you know, US attorney, somebody who has nothing to do with local politics. Right. Get somebody like that. Exactly. Retired state patrol, you know, somebody that's not connected to the county politics and the county, um, you know, because Troyer, uh, uh, Sheriff Troyer's opposition, Cindy mm -hmm. Fajardo, again, Kitsap County investigated her and found a whole bunch of violations that, like I said, were disputed later. So why would we have any confidence in somebody from Kitsap County coming yep. to do it? Just saying. Right. And in Pierce County, they have this, you know, I'm seeing a pattern, right? Where they, they'll say, we're looking for some unbiased. We want something that's completely independent. The investigation to, to put on this, you know, kind of facade. But we see what you guys are doing. You're connecting with the same people that you know are going to do the work, but under a different name, right? They do that with Puyallup, with calling out to these special you know risk task force right oh the fit team yes yeah we're on to you guys and we're we're keeping <laughs> our eyes on you okay what <laughs> black what is it the institute for black justice we are true justice no exceptions that is that's our slogan and we're about it so don't just don't just walk the walk or talk the talk you gotta walk the walk to follow up um now let's but, end on a high note. Let's definitely, yes. I understand that, uh, you know, I recognize the fact that 
uh, IBJ is only one of the many ways that you use your life and your talents. And I knew the job was dangerous when I took it. And you and I started to do this podcast. I said, oh man, folks are gonna see her, see how smart she is, how beautiful she is, how articulate she is. They're gonna see that she's a husky and she's got that Beyonce braid thing going. So folks are gonna love that. She's doing her real estate hustle and somebody is gonna come knocking on her door and offer her something that she won't be able to refuse. So go ahead and tell us. <laughs> well, <laughs> IBJ is always gonna be in my heart. This, I mean, I'm not leaving the podcast nor am I leaving uh, the IBJ by any means. Okay, I am still the program director holding it down for the young demographic <laughs> here at IBJ, but I do got bills and I am happy to say <laughs> that I was offered a position um, as a pro, uh, the project manager for the Social Equity and Cannabis Task Force under the Department of Health. This is a state government job, guys. It's huge that I even secured this because, I mean, I'm a college graduate. I've been working in nonprofit sector for, you know, over three years now. And um, throughout that whole time, I've probably been, you know, applying for state government jobs. Just, you know, as I see, as I see them cross my email or my, um, you know, some people in my community, they'll tell me about it. I'll apply. I'm, I'm one of those people that, hey, you don't know, you don't know what, like, what does the saying go, right? Um, you miss every shot you don't take. So I'm mm -hmm. one all about mm -hmm. throwing my hat and or throwing my name in the hat and taking the shot. Um, so I did it again for maybe the 10th plus time. Uh, and I finally, you know, was considered and officially offered the position, um, just a few days ago. And so I, I'm just really excited guys. It's, it's hard for, I feel like even educated black people in Washington to get a Washington state job, not to mention mm -hmm. educated black people, you know, you'll find more black people in tech in Washington than you will in government in Washington. Um, and I just, you know, I think that we need to just talk about that real quick, Carol. And really, I just want to encourage and celebrate every other young Black activist uh, that's in the nonprofit sector, or maybe that's trying to transition from the, you know, private to the public sector and is looking for employment with the state, you know, to keep going forward. We do have, um, there's ambassador positions. I mean, anything from an admin assistant to, you know, working in the governor's office. There's positions that are constantly available uh, that are, you know, that we should be applying for. You know, they all, even when I was going through my um, hiring process, Carol, the woman, you know, she was so excited to see me and to see, you know, um, <laughs> me applying and it's like, we need more people like you in government. and working for the state. And I'm like, we're out here. Y'all just ain't hiring us. Well, I think, you know, after many, many years of being on the inside of that public sector system, I'm trying to think my last one, two, three, four executive level public sector jobs were all Hey, Carol, we heard about you. Do you want to come work for us? I did not even submit an application. Yeah. 
And, and now that's later in the career that that's gonna, that may very well be what happens for you as well. But when you're trying to get in at the mid-professional level, mm-hmm. girl, you better know somebody. Yeah. And I think public sector has too many uh, hoops to jump in. And part of it is the civil service system that requires lists and you know internal applicants get a priority and then the veterans get a priority and all of those things i have a history and a context and i get it but when you're on the outside of that system trying to get in huge barriers and then there aren't very many slots at the mid-range and so people sit in those professional what you would consider entry-level professional jobs, people spend their whole career in some of those jobs when they're supposed to be moving out of them in three to five years, right? And they don't move. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I hope that they will push themselves to move up, you know, because if they don't, then where are these, you know, college graduates? Where are these young visionaries, these people that have passion that want to do something? You know, where do they enter? Do they well, believe- and girl, and folks working past seventy these days, mm-hmm. uh, partly because we've had all of, we've had a number of big economic downturns. Uh, people who waited later to have their kids. You know, they're just putting their, they got 18 year olds just getting into college and they're 75 years old. (laughs) I'm telling you, girl, you know, or people just did not plan well for retirement. And so they, they get to that point and they go, "Uh uh-oh, I still got a mortgage to pay. I can't afford to quit. And so you have, you know, you don't have enough movement happening in that system to create space for the new talent. So I'm very proud of you. I'm glad you got in there. Thank you. I'm <laughs> glad I stuck it out, you know, cause that, that's the thing. Just keep trying um, to, you know, just keep going for it, right? You get a new, you see something. And the great thing is too, with these state positions, once you apply for one, it makes every other one almost easier because you don't have to go and you know, update your employment or your education history, you know, maybe write a new cover letter. I have, you know. It's all uh, in NeoGov. And so (laughs) once it's in there, it's in there. That's right. Um, I do have a question before we close, because I know you just got off the airplane, you know, a minute ago (laughs) and you need to unpack. And I can't talk because my bag is still sitting in the garage. Uh, I haven't unpacked in a week, so I can't talk about you. Oh, um, you said that you were on the cannabis task, cannabis equity task force. Are you trying to tell me that you're on a task force to make sure that we can all smoke weed equally or what? What (laughs) What is the equity part? of the weed of oh the yes all, please all explain equal <laughs> no no the the task force uh is more uh, about the licensing uh it's more about economic justice 
than it is, uh, and, and racial justice, but more so really economic justice. Um, the thing is, there's a whole bunch of disparity when it comes to how licenses are distributed within the state. We know that this is a billion dollar market uh, mm -hmm. industry, right? That has been able to really create generational wealth for a lot of families, uh, but they have disproportionately been white. And so this task force is trying to build a system, come up with a model or a system uh, to bring equity into how we distribute the licenses. Um, I believe Representative mm -hmm. Pettigrew, before he you know, retired uh, last session, He's the one that, you know, got this passed and um, initially through the House, uh, and we're, we're now discussing it now in the task force to see how we can implement it. Got um, it. So we, it's, we, it's not about whether, whether, uh, girl, uh, listen, I know so many folks over 70 that make those regular trips to the gallery. Now I've never been in the gallery. I don't when I saw the gallery, I thought that was a real art gallery. Now that's how uninformed <laughs> uninformed I was. But a lot of my elderly friends, rather than popping a pill, that's what they do. They mm -hmm. use cannabis. And well. so um and I have heard a lot of them say, wow, you know, the money that I spend, it would be nice if, uh, you know, they're mostly African-American people. They have noticed that their money is not going to people who look like them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is so true. I mean, it's, it's really not. And we already know, we, we talked about the drug possession laws. We know that a lot of black people are sitting in jail, unfortunately, you know, hopefully they'll be coming home soon, but because of just possessing, you know, weed and how cannabis, marijuana was really had this negative narrative around it, right? When there are true medicinal benefits uh, <laughs> to <laughs> marijuana. Yes, there are indeed <laughs> medicinal <laughs> benefits. Nonetheless, we need to just be able to have a piece of the pie, okay? We need to be able yes. to, if white people can benefit, then so should black people, so should Asians. So we just need equity when it comes to access. Um, we've been fighting for this in, in housing, in real estate, you know, with redlining, we fight for equity in healthcare and how these vaccinations are distributed. There's no right, right. in how we're trying to distribute these licenses. You know, we really got to apply equity to all different sectors, um, you know, and I think that's what this task force is trying to do. Well, congratulations to them for being able to attract the kind of talent that you represent and that you will bring. And congratulations to you for having that talent recognized with the other kind of uh, economic <laughs> exchange known as money, which yeah. you certainly deserve. We have to close this show so we can both get unpacked, but I just want to, I know I speak for you too when I say that we stand, the IBJ, Anjanae and I stand in solidarity with our Asian Pacific Islander sisters and brothers. And we stand against the hate crimes that have happened in Atlanta. We want the Department of Justice whoever needs to go there to help Georgia, the state of Georgia to investigate 
those murders as hate crimes and to take the next necessary action to prosecute the person who committed those crimes accordingly. And locally, we have seen break-ins and vandalism with some local Asian-owned businesses. We have a huge Asian-American community that lives and works and adds value to Tacoma and Pierce County. And there is no reason why they should have to fear walking in and out of their own businesses or out of their own communities where they live. So we stand in solidarity with our Asian American, Asian Pacific Islander friends and family and sisters and brothers today. Anjanae, you wanna close this out? Yes, I would love to close this out uh, with a reminder that our Freedom Summer Symposium is coming up. It's right around the corner, guys. We are opening up our registration application process uh, starting April 1st. April 1st. <laughs> that, is, that is this Thursday. Um, you guys, it's I'm so excited. We have video prom promos coming out, so please keep your eyes out. Uh, look out for those. Uh, and all the more information to come about how you guys can be a part of the Freedom Summer Symposium, whether you are within the 18 to 35 demographic, or if you are not, we are including everyone in some form or fashion. So um, I can't wait to tell you guys more about that and for you guys to see all the work that we've been doing. Um, I know. Maybe next week you can We'll find a way to share our screen if we can and show the video during our podcast. Let's try. Let's see if we can practice that. <laughs> All right, sweetheart, you get some rest. All righty. You too. And I'll talk to you later. Bye, guys. All right. Good night.